So, Michelle. Hello. What's your favourite board game? And by the way, welcome back. Yeah, I know. I've been uh, overseas. I got off the island. You got off the island. You went on a secret mission overseas. It I- was so secret. I-, I mean, only those who follow me on Instagram could have worked it out. Gee, that's how many <laughs> thousand? Uh, I went on a secret mission to Canberra. Of course you did. I went ballroom dancing. Of uh, course you did. I actually went to Coachella. I went somewhere cool. So, you know, well, I've got the boomer across from me. Yeah, who went to the uh, National Folk Festival. Um, <laughs> I did a maypole dance. <laughs> Of course you did. Of course you did. Anyway, look, what's your favourite board game? My favourite board game? Board game. Um, I, I'm pretty partial to Trivial Pursuit. Trivial Pursuit. Right, okay. Now, you know, the classic board games that everyone talks about in chess, that's the big strategic game. Yes. Now, now I like a strategic game. It's called Mousetrap. Uh, have you ever played Mousepad? <laughs> it's really not that strategic. Yeah, it is because you've got to time it to make sure that somebody else lands on the cheese yes. before, so you get mm. the chance to All right, child. Because, you know, you build that whole yes. Rube Goldboy machine and all that. There is one other strategic game that a lot of people forget about because they misunderstand how it works mm. and it's really, really important to what we're going to talk about today. The Pacific Islands? Yeah. It's called Go. Oh. The ancient Chinese game of strategy. <laughs> Let's talk Solomon Islands. Okay. You're listening to I Spy, the tropical holiday of Australian intelligence. Uh, do you like my grass skirt? You were meant to put underpants on under that. Oh, oh my God, it's on fire. Oh, 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 oh that's oh. interesting. Oh, oh, I can oh, smell burnt hair. Oh, I can smell roast pork. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And yes, we are back. We've had a couple of weeks off. We're, we're refreshed. Yes, I had COVID. It was really good. Yeah, you're I'm, very I'm, refreshed. I'm not letting my children look after me when I get old because every time I said, can I get a cup of tea? Shut up. You'll get it when you ask for it. I did Coachella and Vegas uh, and Joshua Tree. So, you uh, know, I, I'd like to say I'm relaxed, but I need a holiday after my holiday. Slightly more glamorous than me. <laughs> that's because I am more glamorous than you. True. That, it's a, That's not a really high bar to cross. No, not at all. A lot has been going on and what we're going to tap into today is we're going to look at the Solomon Islands specifically and what's going on with China. Yeah. And it's big. Like, Solomon's yeah. is a really big thing. I mean, a lot of people are going, yeah, so what? Who cares? It's huge. It's a really big thing. Now, I mentioned the game Go. Right? Yes. When you play chess, it's all about taking the king. So it's all about domination. It's yes. It's all about taking everything. The underlying theory of Go, now, every time you see people play Go in a movie, you see one person take that last white stone and put down the black stone and the board's all mm. black. That's not how Go works. Go works, literally the rules in Chinese translate to higher market share. You want to have more of the board. Not all of the board, mm. just more of the board so yep. you can control the board. It's a game that can work on handicaps, right? Now, the Chinese, their entire global political strategy is basically a huge game of Go. 100%. Yeah, right. Now, the Solomon Islands is a great example of the way they're playing the game, all right? Because, well, the Solomon Islands, you want a quick history? Okay, go, do it. All right, quick history is Solomon Islands back in 1942 yep. or 43. The Marines landed on it to kick the Japanese off and they lost 2,000 Marines. Around 2,000 people were killed. It's regarded as sacred ground, all of that sort of stuff because it's a linchpin. Solomon Island sits just off Bougainville, which is just off Papua New Guinea, mm. and it's literally the gateway to the South Pacific from Asia. 
If you want to yes. get to the South Pacific, you've got to go through the Solomons. Now, what happens is they went in there, they kicked the Japanese off. It became the launch pad to get to Guam, which is an island closer to the South uh, China Sea. And, and has an American military base. has an American military base. We'll get onto that in a yep. second. And basically that's how they got their island hopping back up to Okinawa and into Japan. Right, so jump forward to late 1990s, about 98. Yep. Uh, a group of people from an area called Maliata, which is one of the provinces of the Solomon Island chain, didn't like the government. So they put together a revolutionary army and started rioting. Mm. Now, this has now gone on ever since. Since about 98, Australia has sent AFP and occasionally the military into the Solomon Islands to help quell basically what are riots. Yep. Now, I actually spoke to an ex-AFP officer who served in the Solomons. We're going to call him Chook. Um, (laughs) There are ways and means. He didn't want to be named, but I'm calling him Chook. Anyway, Chook gave me a little bit of a rundown. Essentially, the Solomons quite like Australians soldiers and Australian police yep. because they calm everything down. Yep. Right, we do the job. The problem is that's all we did because the Solomons is a very poor country. Yeah, we never helped them. We never, we haven't really helped them. Now- No, and what's interesting too because a lot of people seem to be blaming the government and yes, there are things that we could have done more of but what I will say is to think of this as like this is Australia's fight, this isn't. This is between US and China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately it's that. Australia has no real play here. Kind of do in that this is the whole South Pacific. Basically, the Americans turned around to Australia after World War Two and went, "Can you take care of that for everybody?" Yeah, well, basically, okay. So there's there's a chain of of islands that the US have kind of like dominated. Yeah. So that was that was developed to kind of keep the Russians out yep. during communism. Yep. And then what they found was like after communism fell, that it was kind of handy to keep China out as well. Yeah. And Australia kind of sits at the bottom, and we're like the linchpin of this chain. We're the guys that are meant to hold it all together. Yes. The problem is. Successive governments, and again, uh, this government has made several mistakes. The current government, yep. but all of the governments, past and present, have made mistakes in the Solomons and in the South Pacific in well, general. Also, because the Solomons are incredibly poor, like, like we we we're not helping them out. Really, really poor. Like they don't they don't have a lot going for them. So of course, when someone comes running in and says, "Do you want to sell your sovereignty?" and they go, "Sure, I'd like to sell my sovereignty," because we can't sell anything else. Yeah. Now the whole thing with. China China is and Nick Warner, who was the former head of ASIS, former mm. head of ONA, and was a deputy defence secretary, I think, or secretary of defence. He basically he did an op-ed in the AFR recently, and he basically turned around and said, "We've been playing a game of whack-a-mole with China in the South Pacific, mm. and they won." Right, we've been trying to keep them out of various islands. They're hanging around Fiji. They've gone over to Tonga. Well, they they're well, they're trying to like build their own island in to the to South China Sea. Well, like- <laughs> that's the interesting point. They're building yeah. their own islands. Yes, but the, is the Chinese are building bases all around the world. Yes, by 2049, they want to be one of the premier military op- organizations on the planet because that's the 100th anniversary of the communist regime. Mm. So they want to be big and strong and all that sort of stuff. So they've been quite subtly going out there and throwing bases around the place. Now they've got one in Djibouti. Yeah. And the one in Djibouti is really interesting because it looks like a medieval fortress and it's also right at the mouth of the Red Sea. 
Now, the Red Sea gives you access to the Suez Canal. Mm-hmm. So if you can block the Red Sea and the Suez Canal, you've limited people's movement around. They've got one in Tajikistan. Yep. They've got one in Malaysia. They're looking at putting one in Pakistan. They're, they're going around and building these places, but they're building them in these very strategic positions. Of course. The Solomon Islands is another extremely strategic position. Yes, but we do need to also say they're not, they haven't built a military base there yet. No. But <laughs> interestingly enough, and And the US are pretty adamant that it's not going to happen on their watch. Well, that's the interesting thing. The US have already sent State Department personnel. Mm-hmm. I love these names. My favourite one is, what is it? There's Kirk Campbell and Doug Crichton-Dirk. And I just wish, I just really wish it was Kirk Crichton-Dirk. That would be <laughs> love the, how you have this whole Kirk thing about names. Crichton-Dirk. Because it sounds like a character. Yep. But they've suddenly gone, geez, let's throw State Department national security personnel at this. This is important. Yes, and our government has been using the terms like friends, neighbours, we're a community watch, like all kind yep. of this rhetoric. But, you know, if you're a country and you're dirt poor, you don't give a crap about rhetoric you want money and like yeah. you know every, every so often we go in and we sprinkle some foreign aid at them exactly. which doesn't really help them out of their situation no. so when the countries are like well hang on a minute we'd like to buy your sovereignty and if sovereignty is your like best asset well then I say sell it and sell it to the highest bidder so I don't have a problem with them look I'm very pragmatic about it yep. it's like do I want China, the Chinese potentially building a base. I don't think they will. I honestly don't think that they will. Well, here's the interesting thing. There are people in the government right now that are saying they've done this intentionally during our election. Oh, no, and that is not and that is not true either. We, but they, someone's also turned around and said they could build a base in the next four weeks. Like who would th- – like here's the thing. Why would they try to mess with an election when both sides of our prospective governments, Labor and Liberal, have very similar foreign policy outcomes? Like, it's a, like why, why? Why, why, why? People well, are so stupid. Anyway. Okay. Well, on on the conservative side, their attitude is Europe, you know, they've used the Manchurian candidate, which again, the intelligence services have mm. said, stop saying that. It's not Absolutely. true. On the Labor side, they don't want to get wedged as being uh, pro-China. But here's the interesting thing. There was They're an- both very similar in a lot of what they're proposing in terms of foreign policy, yeah. though. Now, Michael Fullilove, who's a member of the Lowy Institute, was basically saying he was in Washington talking to people mm. about it. Basically, Washington went, Liberal, Labor. Same, same, same. Same, same. Also, the other the other stupid thing is like as if China gives a crap. They literally what we know about the Chinese mm. is like they plan like 20, 40, 100 years ahead. They're like the, our our election is just a like not even a blip on their radar. Yeah, it's not. Because of an election time. This happened during an election. Mm. Literally, everyone's using this as a political pawn. Oh, of course, because you know what? The reason why we're using this as a political pawn is because no one really wants to talk about the real thing, and that is that inflation is yeah. really high, and that cost of living is really high, right. and that like no one can afford to do anything, and no one can buy a house. No, and I can't get a new car because I got to wait twelve months. Oh no! If you, Scott Morrison, the whole thing is if you can't afford rents, save up and buy your own property. Yep. Sure, mate. Yeah. And by the way, trans women in sport, don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, the whole trans women in sport, that is not a thing. It's, it's not, not a thing. It's not a thing. But getting back to the issue yes. here. Now, because the Chinese, as you said, they think generationally. Yes. Right? They, they don't think in terms and of- And they the, want to break this chain. Now, they want to break the chain. They, they don't want to live under a US hegemony. But also, I mean, they've done one thing in Africa, which is really interesting, and that's what everyone should be looking at now, mm. is Equatorial Guinea. 
Yeah. Ever heard of Equatorial Guinea? Yes, I've heard of it. Just under what I like, because I always think of Africa looking a bit like an elephant's head. Yeah, of course you do. Equatorial (laughs) Guinea's sort of like the ear hole. Right. right. Well, what they've done is they've gone, hey, guys, uh, you obviously need a bit of help. Uh, you want to get your oil mm. infrastructure going, so mm. we'll help pay for that, and we're going to help pay for this, and we're going to help pay for that. By the way, would you mind if we, like, if our ships, when they came into the Atlantic, would you mind if they stopped? You can just, like, let, let, let them go through. That's fine. Do you mind if we build a medieval fortress that looks a lot like the one in Djibouti? <laughs> it uh, looks a lot like a military base, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's just a dock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, we want to keep the riffraff out. And there'll be guns. <laughs> but, like, it's not a military base. Well, interestingly enough, Nick Warner talked about how he saw, he was in Djibouti mm. and he saw the Chinese base. And he said the weird thing about it was it does look like a medieval fortress. You know, castellated walls yep. and watchtowers. But he said what was really funny is all the soldiers with binoculars just watching him as he walked past. That's so it was funny. like, a, dude, what am I going to do? The other thing about Djibouti is it's very close to a, a US base called Camp Lemonnier. Mm-hmm. Now, Camp Lemonnier keeps saying, you know, the Chinese are trying to interfere with us. And the Chinese have sort of turned around and went, you keep sending planes and drones over us. Yeah. Uh, now, quite a few, and this comes back to Australia, quite a few American pilots have been injured from lasers. Every um, time they fly over this this military installation, they come back half blind because they've been dazzled with lasers. Sound familiar? Yeah, it does. Right? So even though the Chinese have denied it, and the Chinese always will, the Chinese are basically saying, look, until there's proof in the pudding that we actually did this, and it comes down to the Solomons and the base, mm. until there's proof in the pudding that we've actually built a base, shut up. Right? Yes. Leave us alone. It's it's not happening. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's the thing with the Solomons. But also I think Australia has this whole thing where we like to make it all about us Yeah. when in actuality it's not about us at all. Exactly. I mean, the problem we've had is we were meant to be, you know. The we gatekeepers. Meant, the gatekeepers. We were meant to be the sheriff. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, you know, or, and we've done a pretty crappy job, to We've be done honest. a very crappy job. Well, the, the only thing is we've only paid attention to the places that we can actually get stuff from, like Papua New Guinea. Oh, we can get all your minerals. Yeah. Here's a little bit of foreign aid. We'll give you some pipes and we'll take all of your resources. And we'll take all that copper uh, <laughs> because we're building an NBN. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But here's the other thing about it, and I think it's really important, is Australia dropped the ball because Australia wasn't looking at it. Yeah, right. of you course. Know, eyes on the ball and you'll catch it. But Australia's been going, oh, there's something going on in Iraq. We've got to step oh, no. up. Also, and- we've been like, COVID, 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 COVID. But this is going right back. Yeah, yeah, is- yeah. So whenever something's happened, Australia, oh, America's going in, we'll go in. It's like, well, America probably would have appreciated if Australia went, look, we totally support what you're doing to kick Saddam Hussein out back in the, like, yep. the 90s. But right now, we're going to focus on our region. And that's the problem. No one's been focusing on it. The French haven't. The no. French have a hard presence down here. They've got about... I think it's six million citizens, like because of Tahiti. They've got a large presence yeah. in the South Pacific that they wanted to protect. But they've also gone, eh, let the Australians do it. They know what's going on down there. And we've been exceptionally patronising with it as well. Oh, 100%. And so from a security perspective, like how much of this should we have seen coming and did we and did we not choose not to do anything about it? Now, I got a question from one of our listeners on the – Twitter feed yep. at Ice My Podcast if you'd like to join us. Yep. Um, Brad. Now, Brad asked this question. Long-time listener, first-time messenger. Can I request a topic? I feel like I'm calling the Love Song Dedications radio program. Hello, Brad. <laughs> Welcome to Love Song Security Questions. Oh, my God. You've been dying to do this. I have. I, I actually practiced. With <laughs> recent news of ch- ch- China's diplomatic incursion into the Solomon Islands, there is a talk in journalistic and commentary circles that there's an intelligence failure that Australian government didn't do anything. I'm almost certain our intelligence service had briefed various ministers about this. I'm sure they have. Including the foreign minister and the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, what do you do when your decision makers aren't listening? 
Brad, uh, gold star for you, mate. You've been listening. You've been listening. (laughs) (laughs) They did know. I mean, in fact, before the security deal was announced, we had the head of ONA and the head of, uh, was it the Director of National Intelligence, both go and turn around to Sagavari and go, please don't do this. This is a really, really bad idea. To which Sagavari went, sovereign soil and shut up. Right? So he basically went, and look, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they put a base there. But But we both know that America will step in before it even gets to that point. Yes and no. Are they actually going to push it? Because when Scott Morrison got up and went, this is a red line and do not cross. And oh, was- also, can we just comment on the fact that he used the term red line? Red line. Like, uh, come on. Like, it's just everything he says is fraught with racism. Anyway. And also, let's be perfectly honest, it's an island. It would be a line in the sand, Scotty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a line in the yes. sand, please. And also, he likes, as we know, he likes going to tropical islands, right? Tropical Hawaii. Yeah. Why Solomon? didn't he go over there? Because like, it's not Hawaii. It's the Solomon yeah, Islands, yeah. <laughs> right? Ooh, poor people. So the whole thing is, when he said that, it mm. was a really stupid thing to do yep. because basically China are going to go, what are you going to do? Yeah. Right? You've got six antiquated submarines. You don't know when you're going to get your new ones. You don't even know what you're going to get and who you're going to get them from. Everything about this was really badly handled on the political side. Mm. On the intelligence side, they've known for 20 years that this is a major problem in the South Pacific. Yeah. Right? And they've been saying, uh, guys, Solomon's Islands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, Solomon Islands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Syria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, Solomon Islands. Yeah, the South Pacific. It's right there yeah. next door. It's, it's ripe. It's ripe for the taking. It's sixteen hundred kilometers from Queensland, and you know, Queensland. We even want to look after you. So the whole thing is intelligence new and would have been advising. To answer Brad's question, this is not a rare fact. When intelligence turn around to the government and go, this is going on, you need to do something Mm. about it. And the government go, yeah, uh, no. Mm. Because there is the whole idea of political expedience. Yep. The classic example was Andrew Wilkie, when he was a member of ONA, standing in front of the ONA slash ASIO building and going, the intelligence about weapons of mass destruction is wrong. This is not what the intelligence is saying. What the government is saying about this is wrong. Don't do it. And, of course, they went, yeah, shut up. Uh, We're going to go in there because Mm. it makes us look good, right? Well, it didn't make us look good. It made it look kind of lame in the end. So the whole thing is, to answer that question, is what do you do? Nothing. There is nothing an intelligence organisation can do. They can merely advise. Yeah. They can't overthrow the government. They can see this stuff happening. They can see it coming down the the tunnel. Yeah. And say, hey, there's a, there's a speeding train. It's coming really quickly at us. Maybe yep. we might want to do something to stop it. Yep. Uh, guys, uh, that, that handbrake you didn't put on your <laughs> yeah, car? Yeah, you uh, might want to do it now. You want to do it. It's rolling now, down a hill. Now, the whole thing about that is the intelligence services have actually been quite proactive in basically getting up and going, guys, we told you. Yeah. Right, they have. You've had the head of o the head of DNI, you've had Nick Warner, you've had all of them step up at some point in time and go, we knew this was going to happen and we told you so. Yeah. Right, the fact that the government and preceding governments, right, they have all gone, yeah, 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 yeah. The other problem is climate change. It's devastating those these Pacific islands. Yeah, and the video of Dutton going, oh, well, you know, time doesn't really matter when the waves are lapping at your door, that's 
stunk to high heaven mm. in the South Pacific. So we've we're not the good neighbour. And look, I we're not. Uh, we expect yeah. everyone else to be the good neighbour, yeah. but we're the shitty neighbour yeah. who likes throw throws the rubbish over the fence. Yeah, who lets his eighteen year old son have a really really loud party, which upsets one neighbour, and that one neighbour goes nuclear and decides to take it up. All with right, the I think I think we've I think we've gone into your life now. <laughs> yeah, it's a great example. Yeah, um, because they should have known. They could have seen that an eighteen year old was going to okay, have a anyway, party if I was away. Sh- yeah. I am the Solomon Islands. Yes. So, look, the practical upshot is this. And before we go any further, a couple of other things that have developed recently. Yeah. There are people in the government that have accused Sogavare and the Solomon Islands government of taking bribes. Well, um, of course. To which which they've gone, no, not at all. But also, yeah, very probably. But, uh, but like, I mean, we've got to remember these people are in poverty and we've done fuck all to help them for yeah. like so many years. And these countries coming in and like saying, hey, we'll help you out. We'll give you some money. We'll uh, we'll like build things and yeah. like get you out of that poor situation you're in. And of course, they're going to say yes. Yeah. And now the developments that have occurred recently are really going to start telling. Mm. One is the Home Affairs Minister, Karen Andrews, Drews, yep. has turned around and basically said to Christina Keneally, no, we're not going to give you a briefing. Kristen Keneally is the shadow home affairs minister. She needs a briefing on this. But they're going, no, you don't need to know the intelligence. I mean, to be honest, both those women need to stop but, being in politics. Yeah, but bottom line is the shadow minister mm. needs a briefing. It, mm. it is important that the shadow minister for any department needs a briefing on well, this. Well, particularly like when we could potentially have a different government. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's one thing. You don't yeah. want them getting that the day they walk into the yeah, office. Exactly. You want them pre-prepared. Yep. The other thing that's going on is the Australian Defence Force have basically said we're not sure if we can send people in anymore because we don't want our guys working next to Chinese guys no. because now we've got a split, two split forces and what happens if they start fighting each other. Personally, if the Australian Defence Force or whoever the spokesman for the Defence Force was think the Australian Defence Force is so ill-disciplined that they'd get into a fight with the Chinese Army, is kind of scary. But also, the Chinese Army aren't going to do it either. Mm. Right? They don't want any. They don't want a war with us. They don't want a war. They just want to. They want to rattle their saber. Yeah. The other thing that's going on is the big worry is with Chinese riot police and soldiers in the Solomon Islands. The Australians had a really, really good relationship with the Solomons. It was seventy percent of Solomons love the AFP. Mm. Right. So what happened was when a riot would break out. We were culturally aware of what's going on. And this uh, Chook would tell me that what they do is they'd like, a, one guy would stab another guy in a riot. Now I need to stab you back. Right. And it's like, so, well, stab him. And it would be in the thigh or in an arm or, you know, it's like, pink, pink, right, good. Let's all sit down, and have some carver and chill out. Mm. And it was literally like that. You satisfied? Yes. You satisfied? Yes. Good. Done. Right. Right. The Chinese have got a reputation of being a lot more brutal. Of course. With dealing with the kind of unrest. Another thing is there are groups in the Solomon Islands, particularly in Maliata and in Guadalcanal, mm. they're really concerned that there's going to be all of this money coming in, right, but it's not going to go to them. So interestingly enough, during the most recent riots, what was burnt down? Chinatown in Oniara. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. So there's all. So the sentiment there isn't quite pro Chinese. No, not at all. That's yep. that's going to be the problem. Is now you're going to have you know anti Chinese sentiment swelling up. Chi- you know the Chinese are there. They're mm. going to build up their resistance to it, and it becomes a point of tension. Beyond that, it becomes a powder keg. 
Right. Yeah, basically it definitely will become this place where you can see tensions potentially boiling over and you don't yeah. really want them to boil over. Yeah, and we've also had problems. Our High Commissioner to Solomons was there helping with COVID, mm. then came back to Australia to do a debrief and then got a back injury and couldn't go back to right. the Solomons. Okay. So we didn't have our High Commissioner on the ground at the time. Yeah. Right? So there's been the ball's been dropped by DFAT, the ball's been dropped by Defence, the ball's been dropped by the government. The intelligence said, well, actually, it hasn't been dropped by defence. That's wrong of me to say. But it has been dropped by the government. And the intelligence services are now, when everyone went, well, this is a failure of intelligence. No, it's not. No. It's a failure of successive governments treating our neighbours like a neighbour, not treating them like- They're part of our community. Not, not patronising them. Yep. Right. Yeah, we, we we have a really bad habit of patronising our yeah. neighbours. I mean, unfortunately, we have that awful thing of, well, we're a big white country um, mm-hmm. and you're a lot of little brown countries. And oh, 100%. Therefore, yeah, and we're going to look down on you. Unless um, you've got really great swimming and resorts, oh, yeah. then we'll come and we'll pay you and still look down on you. We'll give you lots of money, <laughs> but you better bring me my drink when I ask for Yeah, exactly. Unlike my children who never will. Um, and finally, uh, yes. and I think this is a really important point to remember, this is not going to go away. Right? No. This is not something that we can just like assuage. It's not an easy fix. Uh, and the interesting point was when, you know, the whole thing I sent it, the AFP and Labor want to send it, the ABC. The ABC being beamed into the South Pacific is not a stupid idea mm. because it sets up a line of communication. We get our message across, they get their message back. Uh, you know, and this is the problem. When we cut off Radio Australia, we really did do ourselves a disservice mm. because we aren't projecting the, well, look, the hearts and minds idea. I mean, this whole idea that by the ABC not being beamed, I mean, I don't know if that really had it a lot. I to think be- it does. I don't think I, so. I do because it's the hearts and mind idea. Right. Like winning of hearts and minds. And, you know, beyond the ABC and the opinion and all that sort of thing, one thing it does do is it gets critical information out quickly. Yes. Right. And that's what we weren't doing. So it looks like we don't care. Well, it looks like that because we don't. Yeah, that really, really <laughs> is the problem. I mean, if it's looking like that, chances are that's the way we feel. But look, I think now it's on. It's a little bit more on the agenda yep. and we've got Labor promising to send more funding that, their way should they win the election. Yep. So, you know, time will tell how that's going to go. We had the Pacific step up, which was the Morrison government's policy and, yeah. you know, what Labor is doing is pretty much similar because they are very, very similar. Oh, they're very, they're, their whole foreign aid yeah. objectives are very, very similar. Like if people think they're voting for a different government, you're not. You're voting for the same government, yeah. just a different human leading it. <laughs> but the the really interesting thing about this, and it goes all the way back to the Go analogy, the mm. analogy of the game of Go, is one of the things with Go is that ability to be looking like you're doing something yep. in one place and you're doing something somewhere else. Yep. Everyone's Trick of the been, eye. Yeah. It's all yeah, – it's sleight of hand. It's yep. all It's all distraction. All of that stuff going on in the South China Sea, which is very, very critical and very important, but everyone's going, oh, my God, Ukraine's gone, Taiwan's next. And while everyone's going, Taiwan, 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 They're like going, we're going to build on the Pacific. Yeah, you know, (laughs) basically Xi Jinping turned around to his foreign minister and went, yeah, you feel like going for an island vacation and signing a couple of deals for us. And they did. It was a really, really clever – this is what's really interesting about China is they are playing a game about market domination. They're not playing a game about conquest. They're playing a game far superior to anything we are playing. Yeah, well, you know, they, they're, what is it, two and a half thousand years of history and Song Zhu, the, the art of war, the classic. This is it. Yeah, this We're is seeing it. it. We're watching it in real time. And what's interesting is that is the first book I was handed when I walked into Asia. Read this, Chapter 13, The Use of Spies. Yeah. Right? And it was like, 
do I just have to read chapter 13? Read the whole bloody book. <laughs> okay, fine, I'll do that. It's a big book. It's a big book. And it's, it is. It's like what the Chinese are doing. It's, a, it's the art of war meets a game of go meets diplomacy. And that's what we need to do. And for God's sake, will you listen to your intelligence organisations? I mean, that I mean, it just makes sense, right? It does. It does. Except we're not doing it. No. <sighs> okay.